0: This is Hemant. And Jessica. You're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. And let me give a shout out to some of our recent supporters keppy b monica s brian s gregory m jonathan n john p josh c and richard b thank you so much for your support we appreciate it
1: i just want to say it's a real honor for academy award winner kathy bates to be a
0: supporter of our show i know we we get around bates oscar so, i there are so many things uh-huh, that she are is happening. an oscar
1: winner for misery
0: There's so many issues to talk about that I'm tempted to just jump to it. Are you doing all right? How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. I've got a therapy appointment today at three. So that's the only thing I have going on today. So this can be a very long episode. Um, Congrats. Congrats. Thank you very much. Things are going okay. How are you, Heaven? oh i got I, my shot i got my vaccine this week
0: hey, hey look at yeah, you congrats that's the
1: news i have it was i had to go to, up to elmhurst um so it was like a half hour uh drive for me but it was like in and out they have that shit locked and loaded and everybody you have to so you get the shot and then you have to sit in this room for 10 or 15 minutes so they can like monitor you for side effects uh and everybody's just sort of sitting there just like kind of smiling to themselves yeah. <laughs> It was very cute. Um, I was, I'm was, i very, very, very excited. And I got the Pfizer one, which means I only have to wait three weeks between uh, doses. So I am now five weeks away from being fully vaccinated. And then I'm going to come give everyone I know a sloppy kiss. Just kidding. Very I nice. know that's not how it works. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's awesome. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, I'm, I'm still looking forward to mine soon, yeah. soon.
1: And some teachers in my area are finally getting vaccinated. So my sense of Horrible crippling guilt is alleviated, <laughs> which good. don't worry has nothing to do with the fact that I'm in therapy this afternoon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, here I'll depress you very quickly here. Fun. Um, I have one happy story, but all the rest of them are uh, giant dumpster fires. Let's start with this one with uh Ravi Zacharias because some big news about him dropped on Thursday that we need to talk about, but I want to update people because it's been a while since we talked about him so let me refresh your memory about this guy and what we knew about him i have
1: no memory of this man that's
0: all right uh this ravi zacharias died last may he's one of the most famous christian apologists arguably one like the most famous christian apologists in the world he goes around debating um god's existence telling people no you can logically believe in god and here's why he's not very good at it just like I mean, literally the job is setting yourself up for failure, but (laughs) he was one of the more well-known guys in that world.
1: Is he the one that everybody assumed you guys were like secret friends because you're both brown?
0: Exactly. Uh (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And so here's what last time we talked about him. I mean, a couple things is he died in May. Mike Pence, as vice president, spoke at his funeral. Oh, wow. Um, And then a few months later, uh, we found out through uh, Steve Bauman, who... Uh, is on YouTube as the friendly banjo atheist, no relationship to mine. Um, he put put out a video that basically said I've, he turns out Ravi Zacharias had a side hustle. He owned some spas in Georgia, not necessarily a weird thing. A lot of people have side hustles, especially when they're rich. Um, and he said, I've spoken to women who worked at these places and they said he was uh like sexually out of control with them yeah. in an abusive way, uh-huh. and then Christianity Today uh, published like a follow up, much more thorough report, basically mm-hmm. saying, "Yeah, there's something to that." Oh, no. um, and basically, what happened? I'm trying to make a long story short here. The Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, which is now run by a few of his family members and other board members, I mean, I'm they had had inklings of some of this in the past, especially Uh, the non-family members. Um, But they said every time they brought it up and they said, you know, this is something we need to look into, they felt rebuffed. They weren't taken seriously at the time. But in uh, last year, the ministry said, look, we're going to hire a law firm independently. We'll pay them. They will investigate the matter. We will accept their decision or Uh, we'll accept their results. Sure. And the reason we brought him up a couple months ago in December is cuz that law firm put out a preliminary report saying look the final thing we're still working on it but for now we just want you to know there is quote significant credible evidence that he was guilty of sexual misconduct they just kind of said look the we're not releasing the details yet we got to do our work mm-hmm. but it's not looking great just FYI uh, and we want to <laughs> give you time to prepare <laughs> so that's kind of what we. Is that have. normally
1: how things like that go? I,
0: yeah, it's not unusual. That's okay. that's a normal thing. It just—it's weird that it took them that long to do the investigation sure. when they had plenty of reason to do it earlier. Mm-hmm. I should say, uh, Christianity Today found they got three women on the record saying Zacharias touched them inappropriately, exposed himself, Ooh. masturbated during regular mm-hmm. treatments over a period of five years. Wait, treatments. Uh, Uh, That's massages. Oh, okay. Uh, One woman said he masturbated in front of her fifth over 50 times. (gasps) In addition to propositioning her for sex. That's from Christianity today. And by the way, I should say that's separate from another hit to his reputation years ago when he was alive, when we found out he was embellishing his credentials, like he allowed himself to call Zacharias. And it's like, buddy, you didn't earn a doctorate. I remember this. Okay. Anyway, one of the other scandals, separate from the spa stuff, is that a woman named Lori Ann Thompson, who has put herself out there, she—I I don't think she would mind me using her name now because she's gone public with this. She said basically she had met him at one of his events, and they—she was married—they basically carried out a virtual sexy relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point, it involved like. He said she was extorting him for cash and her husband was doing that. They wanted to keep it secret, and they there was a lawsuit involved. They settled it out of court for whatever you whatever the decision of that settlement was. Okay. But part of it was the woman, Lori Ann Thompson, is under a non disclosure agreement. She can't speak about the case. And that was still going on as we are finding out that this guy might be a sexual predator, like physically, literally, in other ways. So mm-hmm. all of that's the sideshow. Not, I don't want to dismiss it. it. All of that is uh, in addition to this report okay. coming out from this law firm. So this week, um, Thursday, the Ruby Zacharias International Ministries said... We now have a copy of the final report. We're going to release it to the world. It's only about two days after they received their copy, and they said we're po- we're posting it in the same way we received it. No redactions, nothing like that. Wow. Here's what they gave us, um, and here's kind of the opening of the report. We confirmed one of the three accounts described in the Christianity Today article. Uh, one woman said she didn't want to be public about it. Another woman would not talk at the advice of her lawyer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's not that the other two were lies. It's that they couldn't oh, I confirm see. it. Uh, and found significant evidence of sexual misconduct involving additional massage therapists. <sighs> we also reviewed Mr. Zacharias's electronic devices and found evidence of text and email-based relationships with women who were not his wife, as well as over 200 selfie-style photographs of women. Mm -hmm. And just to be clear about this, all that stuff, unethical? Maybe. It's not illegal. No, of course Um, not. Those selfie-style photographs is their nice way of saying nude photos. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the more damning—here are the more damning revelations they bring up. And this is through like a 12 or 13-page report, I'm going to summarize— there were five at least five more victims than we ever knew about mm. these are other massage therapists there was evidence of alleged sexual abuse in foreign countries where he traveled and lived they didn't like the law firm did not send investigators to those countries but they spoke with people there okay um he used tens of thousands of dollars that were donated to his ministry to fund the lifestyles of four different massage therapists. Mm. And one of those therapists said he, quote, required sex from her. She actually used the word rape to describe that interaction. <sighs> and then I, I'm not going to say one's worse than the other, but this is also pretty damning here. He used religion to guilt trip some of those women from speaking out against him. He even told one of them that if she went public with her stories, because that would ruin his ministry, she would be putting millions of souls in danger of eternal hellfire.
1: God damn. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> That's rough stuff, man.
0: Yeah. So all and again, all of this is he. Can't, uh, they said this in the report too. They're like, we're putting all this out there. This is what we found in our investigation. We are aware that he cannot personally respond to any of this, um, but this is what we found. The Ravi Zacharias International Ministries put out their statement. Um, I'm, it's long. I'll read you some parts of it. You know, words cannot come close to expressing the sorrow that we feel for what you victims have been through or the gratitude we feel for the bravery with which you have responded. Uh, We are so thankful to you and we are so sorry. We regret that we allowed our misplaced trust in Ravi to result in him having less oversight and accountability than would have been wise and loving Mm -hmm. to the woman, Laurie Thompson, who they had basically thrown under the bus saying she's trying to ruin our Ravi's reputation. Nice. They said to her, we were wrong. Dot dot dot. We're sorry, we allowed tremendous pain to continue to be caused in your lives. Um, that said, that settlement that they had with his family, Lori Ann Thompson is still under that non-disclosure agreement because Ravi's wife gets to decide if she's released from that, and she has not released. said yes to that. Um, by the way, I should say Laurie Ann Thompson spoke with the Washington Post yesterday. And she told them she appreciates the vocabulary of their apology, but it needs to be backed by action. She said, "One, of, I'm paraphrasing here. One of the things she said is that statement from the ministry is basically a ministry statement. It's not signed by individuals. It's like the board oh, of the uh, ministry says this. She said, and I quote, I'd like to know how each member of the executive leadership feels they themselves have failed. Don't hide behind the institution. Fair point. Like. And I think the implication there is there were some members of that board who either stymied the investigation or dismissed her when she came forward and saying the ministry says we're sorry is just not the same as actually taking anything into account. Here's another thing that I find interesting and kind of disturbing. What do you do now that this report is out? One option would be, you know what? This is a tainted brand. We're going to dismantle this ministry. It's not worth continuing. Uh-huh. And maybe some of us will go on to do something else. But we're ju- we're going to shut this place down because it clearly wasn't working. They're not doing that. They are keeping it going. Maybe they'll do a rebranding in the mm. future, but they're going to keep it going. And one of the reasons you might do that is because a lot of your elderly donor... This is me talking, not them. A lot of your elderly donors may give recurring donations to you. They do not follow the news. And you can keep Uh, the multi-million dollars flowing into the ministry by not shutting it down and just saying, you know, it's an issue. We dealt with an issue, but we're going to keep doing our thing. And so I don't know. I don't know how you move forward, even with an apology, When you're not really, it's not clear what they're doing to deal with the underlying issues that led to him being able to do all this. And again, I want to stress, victims had said there were issues. Board members have said we were there trying to fix things from the inside, and we were dismissed to the point that we had to quit. Those stories are public. They have come out at this point well before yesterday. So i it's not necessarily clear what they are going to do from this point forward or whether anyone should take their apology seriously or whether anyone should take the ministry seriously. I don't know. I the thing for me is it it's obviously not true that one bad apple like necessarily destroys christianity. Right. But i think it's very clear that here is a prominent Christian apologist who was able to get away with all this during his lifetime. Mm -hmm. And I think a large part of it is because people just trusted him because he was a supposed man of God. Sure. They put unearned trust in him and his actions, by the way, were far worse than of the non-Christians he thought needed saving. (laughs) And he was shielded by people running his ministry. He was shielded by the fact that he is a Christian. He used his faith to shut up women from talking, to yeah. silence them from talking, saying, You're gonna ruin, you're gonna put a lot of people in hell if you speak out against me. And I mean, I, this isn't a good thing. I wish this didn't happen, but his name is gonna be synonymous with Christian hypocrisy and Christian abuse. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know where you go from here. There's nothing about this that makes me happy, even though it's this prominent Christian being taken down. It's like the Jerry Falwell thing. Like, I know there is a lot of enjoyment people get out of that sex scandal right there Mm -hmm. because of the hypocrisy and what it does to the reputation of conservative Christians. But also, especially in this case, there's a lot of victims who are hurt because of what he did and nothing. I mean, even this revelation this week, won't undo any of that
1: yeah there's no yeah there's no winners in this particular situation yeah Mm -hmm. god that's do you think and i might have asked you this last time we discussed him do you think if he were still alive we would be looking at a similar inquest or do you think it's much easier to um You know, kind of persecute somebody who like he's and I say can't defend himself, not as in he's innocent and getting berated by shit. But he can't even respond. Exactly.
0: Um, I think if he were alive, they would not have done this investigation. It's I mean, the thing is, you no longer have him to build up the brand. Yeah. And so when you have all these, quote unquote, attacks coming at you, if you're the ministry, the way to respond, since you don't have him to do it, is to say, look, we're listening. Look, we'll do an investigation mm-hmm. because maybe they'll shut you people up. And it turns out the investigation confirmed what the critics were saying. Um, what other choice did they have if they want to move forward? Because at some point, the evidence of what Ravi Zacharias did becomes overwhelming. And no amount of we're Christians, stop being mean to us, is going right. to overtake that. So I don't think this would have happened if he were still alive. He would have just dismissed it. He would have said, they're trying to persecute me. Sure. He would have said, uh, and I mean, he did say this when the Laurie Ann Thompson story came out and she was saying, he's doing this with me over the phone. Um, And he even said, she's basically, I'm paraphrasing. She's lying. I'm very devoted. I travel. I speak to many people. I'm sorry that she feels this way. This other mm-hmm. woman like he threw her under the bus when he yeah. was alive. I'm sure he would have done the same now. So the fact that he's gone allows there to be a better over. I mean, this is hardly a parallel maybe, but like Trump is still around and look what's happening with his thing. No, no Republican wants to cross his path.
1: Right. And right. I
0: wonder if he literally wasn't in the picture, maybe they would get a backbone, but because he's around and he has the power to tell his followers to come after you, um, they're afraid of uh, like, of, saying he did anything wrong
1: yeah absolutely <laughs> um,
0: maybe the fact that he's gone helps this helps facilitate the the reaction i don't know um yeah
1: god what a sad story like it yeah. just it just sucks. like sometimes i take a step back and really think about like these i mean maybe some of these people took the job because it's a job but you have to think that and i guess when we're talking about like women who work in a massage parlor i bet they're you know i i doubt their politics were like really informing what their job was but like i don't know these women trying to get into a ministry because they see it as something that's a positive for culture and mm-hmm. just get taken advantage of by i don't know it's just it's yeah. genuinely very tragic
0: it's it's telling to me that he his victims are not members of his ministry like he didn't he didn't go after the people he worked with he went after the people who probably had no connection to him that his people would not know.
1: Or the people who had no voice that anybody's going to take seriously. Like, right. there's a reason we see people victimized who aren't like high level people is because a massage yeah. therapist, you know, tweeting that a fucking famous min- minister has been raping her probably isn't going to get the same kind of traction as, say, his secretary or a student or something like that
0: i should point out the victims at the the spas they've spoken to christianity today they spoke with the investigators or at least a couple of them did but they did not want their names to be public because they just didn't want him to be their story Mm -hmm. um and i think one woman said her lawyer advised her not to speak to anyone about this okay but like other women who did speak about this said don't use my name you can use the story you can quote me yeah don't use my name in conjunction with the story and the reporters and the investigators respected that Um, well and i
1: i hope we're collectively as a society getting past and i doubt i think this is uh uncharacteristically uncharacteristically optimistic of me but it seems we're kind of getting past the age of well if you were being abused or whatever how come you didn't say anything earlier because we've seen time and time again how these women are treated and i don't blame them for a second for not wanting their names in the paper you don't want your you don't want your name tied to your abuser for the rest of your life like that's what they're signing up for even though even if they believe it's the right thing to do for themselves and for others um yeah, and I mean the fact that it takes so many women to come forward to discredit the the word of one guy is not great. Like it's I mean it's a pretty good example of what we do on the show constantly of like a man in power who says he's imbued by God or whatever, uses that influence to take advantage of the people around him, everybody gangs up and protects him, and then it turns out the accusers were right all along. And yeah. we like fucking rinse repeat. We're gonna be doing that every week for the rest of our time doing this podcast.
0: Yeah. Uh so there was another story this week also of a Christian minister of sorts not physically abusing people, but also just being a total jackass. And this time, of course, it's Dave Ramsey, who is known as like the money guy, the Susie Orman of the Christian world. This is a guy who we I think we talked about him a week or two ago because there was a big report in religion news service about how he's the boss from hell. Oh, really? I don't think we
1: talked about him because my Did dog growing up, his name was Ramsey. And I feel like I would rem- I would connect <laughs> those two things.
0: He is the guy who basically says, uh, I'm going to help you get out of debt. Even if you're poor, you better tithe. You better pay your tithes. That's oh, of part cool of what makes money. Yep. Um, but a lot of Christians and even non-Christians would say he helped them get out of financial debt. And that's kind of his whole shtick. Um, He helps you with your money issues. You have to pay a lot of money to take his courses, but he says you're going to make up for it in the long run. Uh And there was a report that basically uh, there's hypocrisy at his workplace where men are treated better than women. Oh, you don't fucking say it. I know. Um, There were stories about, I mean, we've, he doesn't take COVID seriously. He had them, he had a Christmas party, no masks were really Wait, seen there.
1: Wait, Hammett, I need to get yes. off the floor. I'm so shocked by this revelation that he doesn't take COVID seriously. I but know. You need to I give know. me a second to get my shit together. Okay. Continue.
0: Yes. So he's just, he's unpleasant to work with. And there's a lot of former employees who will testify to that though. That said, there are some who will be like, no, he was fine. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You can take a guess at what those people are are looking like. Um, anyway, <laughs> I, 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 bring, I bring him up because he was on Fox News this week and they basically said, you know, what do you think about the stimulus checks that the fourteen hundred dollars that uh, Democrats are trying to send people because of covid relief and mm-hmm. what he said? Um, I don't believe in a stimulus check. Wait, the, just stop. Yep, no, yep, you just yep, stop right now. Yep. You don't believe in a
1: stimulus check. Here's the thing with language is it means something. I don't believe that stimulus checks are the proper way to motivate our economy to get it back up and
0: going. I, I believe that is what he was getting at, but that's not what he said. Yeah.
1: Th- I feel like that's what Republicans really like to do is I don't believe in poverty. Like, oh. Yeah.
0: Cool, I don't believe cool, I mean, I when, says, when those people say like I don't believe in welfare. Right, they're basically saying like I don't think that's the way we want to fix our problems. And then they have nothing of substance to offer in response. Mm-hmm. But in this case, Ramsey said, we do
1: instead? Mm-hmm, yeah. "Try stop being poor for once." <laughs>
0: You're already ahead of me. <laughs> I, I don't believe in a stimulus check because if 600 or $1,400 changes your life. You were pretty much screwed already. You got other issues going on. You oh, have a car- fuck you. you have a career problem. You have a debt problem. You have a relationship problem. You have a mental health problem. <gasps> I'm not done yet, but I'll stop there.
1: Fuck this! God, the fucking GOP's contempt uh-huh. for the war is palpable. Oh my god! Small,
0: Lord. small little additions here. Here's what else. Here's what else he said. Something else is going on. If six hundred bucks changes your life, and that's not talking down to folks. I've are, been bankrupt. I've been bankrupt. Sure? Yeah, I've been bankrupt. I've been broke, and I work with people every day who are hurting. I love people. I want people to be lifted up. But this is, again, it is just political rhetoric and it's just throwing dollars out there. It's peeing on a forest fire. It's absolutely ridiculous. Unquote. I just want to point out when he says he's been bankrupt, he was not like living out of a crappy car for months. Um, what actually uh, happened is he, am- I'm going to quote from the Daily Beast, after amassing a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio in the 80s, he found himself over leveraged since he acquired properties faster than he could sell them, and then he filed for bankruptcy as a multi-millionaire. That is, okay, you filed for bankruptcy, rich... CEOs can file for bankruptcy. It does not mean the same as I'm broken. I can't pay my rent. Yeah, I,
1: I I think that's a really important thing to. Uh, I I think we need to always, always, always make sure we are um, talking about big picture issues here. Um, I mean, obviously, like dunking on this one guy is, oh great, and uh, gives my life purpose and reason. <laughs> um, but I, we, I, I want to kind of talk about this rhetoric that we hear time and time again of. Well, this guy was down and out or this guy was a self-made man and th- I all anytime you see that person who's 25, graduated from college, debt-free and owns their <laughs> house outright, just like click page 2 and I'm telling you right fucking now their parents were <laughs> rich. Like that's just yeah. sort of that's just sort of the name of the game. They lived with their parents
0: I know you have tweeted a lot of those stories. Um, there's also the idea that all those Forbes third thirty under thirty. Oh my god, yeah. Like you shouldn't have those lists unless they also include a line about what your parents' income was.
1: Or what they do <laughs> for a living. Yeah. Um yeah. God, yeah, no, that's not great.
0: Um But the point is he just... basically is blaming poor people that they did something to deserve it. And Ramsey, in the best light I can give him, is saying giving them a check does not solve the underlying problems that led them to be poor, as if they did something that led them to be poor. And that is the issue with what he's saying.
1: I think I literally said this last week, that there have been reports time and time again that if people are impoverished overseas, instead of... Programs to buy them goats or give them like roofing lessons are always less effective than just giving them fucking cash and letting them figure
0: it out. Like We've said this about youth ministries. When they go on mission trips and stuff, save the money that you make for flying to Africa, Mm -hmm. turn in your plane tickets, just send the people the checks and let them figure out what to do with the money. You'll be better off and you'll help them a lot more.
1: Or hear me out. Maybe- help impoverished people of color in our country who are yeah, victims of not only global poverty but also systemic racism. Maybe you could just like, I don't know, throw it throw a hat in that ring and see if you can help out there, Christians.
0: Yeah, I, I'm sure you can guess what Ramsey's stance is on the minimum wage.
1: I, I just because the thing about all of this is it comes down to just abject cruelty. And I think that's the hardest thing for me to watch when people say things like this, is that poverty is a social construct. We have housing in this country. We have food in this country. We have wealth in this country. But we as a society, and by that I mean the you know rich people who run this country, have decided that it's more important to keep rich people extremely rich than make poor people slightly less poor. That's just what we've decided as a country, because it's just reflective in our social programs. It's reflective in our housing policies. That's just sort of the name of the game is like, yeah, we want to make sure people die maybe less frequently than they are now, but we don't want anybody to sacrifice their 14th house in the Hamptons or whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, And I mean, whether it's it's healthcare, I mean, if you are sick Through no fault of your own, not because you chose to be sick, but because you got some disease. COVID, for example, that's going to mess you up financially if you don't have the money or insurance to cover that. I mean, that's just
1: like a real idiot.
0: Yeah, that's just one example. You could work a full time job and not have enough money to get by. A stimulus check, again, it won't lift people out of a hole. $1,400. $1,400. Yeah, $1, if
1: evicted you're making, and put money in their pantry, put money yeah, put in their
0: Yeah. If you're, if you're making, if you have a decent salary, $1,400 won't change your life. But if you're living paycheck to paycheck, that will help you. It and won't solve what? everything. It will a help you significantly.
1: A lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And I have, can I have like two minutes for a tiny rant about financial
0: bullshit? Go on.
1: So I've been, uh, at so for those of you who don't know me very well, I'm a writer by trade, and for a long time I wrote for uh, financial companies. Um, that's sort of – it's just a niche I fell into because I got hired by an agency, and that was the only position they had. So that's what I did. Uh, and so I – for the last 10 years or so, I, I've paid a lot of attention to, like, how we talk about economics and how we talk about money and the individual level and on sort of the global level. And here is um, a conclusion I kind of came to. Um So I'm 35, I'm a millennial, um, and since I graduated college in 2008 when there was a financial crisis, um, I have heard from parents, from family members, from society, from financial planners, from news outlets, uh, millennials aren't spending enough. Buffalo Wild Wings is going under because millennials aren't spending enough. Hooters is going under. That's that one's not my fault. I do my job and patronize Hooters frequently, but and oh, uh, millennials aren't buying diamonds. The diamond industry is going down. Oh, millennials aren't playing golf because so the golf industry is going down. Oh no, we might have to build useful things on golf courses. I'd hate to see that. And on the flip side, we have boomers. I'm going to say boomers like fucking. I was dog whistling it the whole time. Boomers are also saying that millennials are frivolous, that we're spending too much money. Oh, well, you wouldn't have trouble paying your student loans that have an an exorbitant um, uh, interest rate on them. You wouldn't have trouble paying those if you didn't buy yourself a Starbucks once a week or whatever. So my entire adult life, I have been told both I am spending frivolously and poorly and unwisely and that's why uh, we are all not financially, not nearly financially as well off as our parents were in our generation. But also, somehow, also not spending enough money and making like quick service food restaurants go under because we don't have the disposable income to to spend on that kind of thing. So either we are spending too much on dumb shit or we are not spending enough on dumb shit and the economy is suffering for it. What I'm saying is since I was 22 and graduated college, we've been like people my age have been getting fucking gaslit by older people. We have been told that it's our fault that we don't have enough money, even though they're the ones who stagnate the economy and minimum wages. And it's also our fault that the economy isn't thriving because we don't have disposable income because they won't fucking pay it to us. So just when you see, for me, it's always really hard to see like, here's seven industries that millennium millennials killed. I, it sucks because I don't know what I'm supposed what we were what 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 we should have done. we were given shitty jobs right out of college i I don't know it, it's I just feel like we've been being gaslit by boomers for the last twenty years, you know
0: I'm right there with you, yeah anyway um what else was I gonna add to that one thing that didn't surprise me to hear this coming from Ramsey um because I thought about this as soon as I saw him. Say that stuff on Fox in 2013. Digging back here, his website published an article. He didn't write it, but it was on his website about the 20 things rich people do every day. And it's one of those articles that says, "You want to get rich? Start acting like rich people. Follow their habits. You too will get wealthy." That's and just here's not
1: an... how anything works.
0: Oh, 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 I know. I know. Here's here's a few of the pieces of advice. 76% of wealthy exercise aerobically 4 days a week, 23% of poor do this. Forget the grammar for a second. Okay. 63% <laughs> of wealthy listen to audiobooks during commute to work versus 5% of poor people. Um 88% of wealthy read 30 minutes or more each day for education or career reasons versus 2% of poor. 44% of wealthy wake up 3 hours before work starts before versus 3% of poor. And it's like they're waking up early cuz maybe they don't have to be at work at 6 a.m. cuz or maybe cuz they got enough sleep cuz they weren't working the night shift or because they don't have to necessarily commute to work but like if you're working at a fast food restaurant you can't telecommute. You know, like it's. Do you think they're doing these things because they're rich, not because they developed those habits and became rich. I have a
1: que- a kind of esoteric question. Do you think this sort of magical thinking is a loose result of being a quote unquote Christian company, Christian company, Christian nation? Like, because we. Are like people who are Christian are constantly sort of told, you know, pray, you know, pray until something happens was a bracelet that people wore when I was in Uh high school. If, you know, God loves you, God has a reason, whatever. This feels like in the same category of, well, if you just go through the motions, if you wish it hard enough then you too will be rich. Like, do you, th- or am I am I overextending the metaphor?
0: No, I think there's definitely overlap between their mindsets. In this case, I mean, I feel like I've heard this. It, it's the same thing you were talking about with those uh, millennial lists and the Forbes lists and those people who are like, I'm 25, I saved a hundred grand, here's how. And it's because they got an inheritance. <laughs> um, it, it's more of a, when rich people say, here's what you should do to become as rich as me, It's usually things that a lot of poor people cannot do physically. Like exploit laborers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like they don't have the benefits you started out with Mm -hmm. and therefore they're not going to be able to do it. By the way, Dave Ramsey responded to criticism of that stupid article in 2013. Um, You know what he said? Tell me. He, he said, I'm sorry, that was a poor choice of words. I'm just kidding. He said, is this list a way of hating the poor? Seriously? Grow up. He he yelled at the critics. Oh my god. Anyway, that's just who he is. I, so I wasn't surprised that he's Uh, yelling at people saying we need to give people large relief checks Mm -hmm. because it'll help them and he's like what no it won't just work hard like me a multi-millionaire
1: well fuck this guy I don't know like I
0: I will say one thing that pleased me is that Dave Ramsey was uh, trending on Twitter which means a bunch of people were talking about what a shitty dude this guy is and I mean, plenty of Christians are like, I'm so happy that other people are realizing this.
1: What is this guy? What is his profession?
0: Um, He helps you get rich.
1: Like, is does he have an economics background? Is he um, a, a like a fan? He has a
0: radio show.
1: No, like, no, no. no. I, I understand. I also have a radio show. Yes. Is he like, does he have? A financial planning background? Is he like a personal finance expert? Like who is like genuinely, really and truly, why are we listening to this guy?
0: Uh, like, this I isn't a fun bit I'm doing. I don't have the answer in front of me. I would have to look it up. I don't know what his background is. What I could tell you is if you go to a lot of evangelical mega churches around the country like the kind of churches that are big enough that they can offer classes to their members for stuff to improve their lives. You know how they have like counseling for couples and stuff like that. Um, so it's technically Christian, but it's not really about Christianity. They offer financial courses too. And this is the textbook more or less that they use, which is the Ramsey stuff.
1: Okay. It looks like he is he a has- staple he has a BS in finance and real estate. Okay. So Damn at least he has right. a he does. Okay. Are you, are you doing the BS bullshit? I did. Show? I did. Okay, I'm a dad. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. At least he has a, uh, a financial background. Apparently um, he was, oh, <laughs> Ramsey was born in Antioch, Tennessee to real estate developers who taught their children, entrepreneurship and yeah, self motivation yeah. from an early age. That sounds like a fun, neat childhood. Mm-hmm. If you want a pony, Save up for your pony. (laughs) Everyone will go toward your pony.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. I want to be clear.
1: Teaching kids financial responsibility isn't bad. But, like, I feel like as a child equating everything to wealth in some way is probably not a super healthy way to, like, teach them values. Because at that point, you're just teaching your kids, like, if you have money, you are good. It does not matter.
0: weird thing is he could so easily still offer a lot of the same advice and just get rid of the stupid shit but it's like he feels the need to add. It's, it's not hard to say, you know what? The first thing we're going to do is make sure you limit your spending on stuff. You don't need, Uh, there is a way to talk about how to build not wealth per se, but to get out of debt. There's a way to do that. And, if you have someone who's charismatic and can talk about it and is convincing enough that you might listen to him, yeah. it's like a personal trainer. Like they'll motivate you, you'll follow it. That's not a bad thing. But he also has no concept of why people are poor, and he has no compassion for them either. Apparently,
1: sure. Uh, yeah, like Susie or- Orman. I feel like I'm on her Wikipedia page because I don't know that a ton about her. Um, but I feel I like I don't she... know that
0: she's exhibited the same cruelty. But I don't watch her either.
1: I mean, I, I feel like she is like the tough love, like, no, you can't go on this vacation if you're in debt or whatever. Um, and I yes, don't like that she, sounds
0: she, very much like her.
1: Yeah, she's had a couple of like misleading statements. Apparently, she was a teacher at uh, University of Phoenix, which is cool. And like, showed some not great cards like 10 years ago. But in general, like, I feel like that's her jam, right? Like, She is all about like tough financial love, not if you're poor. Not if you're poor, it's your fault. But if you're poor, here are the steps you need to take to like sort of get your life together that are not like...
0: Again, she's problematic in different ways. But in general, she's not saying, oh, you don't have money? Well, make sure you're still giving 10% to your church because otherwise you're never going to get out of this mess.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're problematic in different ways. So, like, I'm not...
0: Uh, Let me give a shout out to our sponsor, and we're going to change it up a little this week. Our sponsor this week is Stardust Science, which was founded by the 15-year-old secular activist and author Bailey Harris. And Bailey has a really neat story. When We talked about her sister, Elle, uh, who talked about being a humanist and wrote a book about it. Well, her sister Bailey, when Bailey was eight, she was watching that reboot of Cosmos And Neil deGrasse Tyson said on that show, the planets, the stars, the galaxies, we ourselves, all of life, we are the same star stuff. And she found that concept so exciting. And she wanted to learn about it. And she ended up writing a book called My Name is Stardust. And there's a new version of that book that she just released. It has a foreword by Richard Dawkins. And if you look at the book, I'm telling you, I have a copy. The pictures are beautiful. It Takes that concept that we all come from the Big Bang and, like, not just in a metaphorical sense either, but the pictures are beautiful. It teaches the fundamentals of creation in a sense and evolution, and it really talks about science and wonder for the universe. If you go to stardustscience.com, you can get 10% off of everything on the site, including the book My Name is Stardust. Just use the promo code Friendly Atheist. That is all. Let me jump to a thing I've been dying to talk to you about that's not as disturbing uh, for like a week, which is that during the Super Bowl, uh, there was an ad with Bruce Springsteen that Jeep aired all about urging America to find common ground with each other and who better to unite us than Bruce Springsteen.
1: Okay, wait. All right. Yeah, yeah. Two quick
0: things. Didn't even get to the good stuff yet.
1: No, 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 no. I know. But I just wanted to let you know that I did not watch a fucking second of the Super Bowl um, nor have I seen anything about what's going on with this. I do know that Bruce Springsteen was at the center of a controversy and I want to say for the record, I am a lifelong Bruce Springsteen fan, and if you are bringing one of my idols and one of my father's idols onto this show for him to be disgraced in front of our thousands and thousands of listeners, I will be upset, and I might yell at you.
0: I have less to say about him. The the controversy is that he got pulled over for like a DUI or DWI or something. They said he was drunk, but... Some articles I've seen said he was, he took a picture with the fan. They offered him a shot. He took it. He was fine. Oh. But they stopped him anyway as soon as he hopped on his motorcycle right after that because they saw him do it. <sighs> so, so it might dope. have been stupid. But after that happened, Jeep took down this commercial for YouTube. <laughs> From YouTube that they aired on the Super Bowl that featured him saying this. Anyway, I don't care that he did this commercial. I don't care if people think he sold out or whatever by doing a Super Bowl commercial. Here's my problem with the commercial, which has less to do with Bruce Springsteen and more to do with Jeep's stupid idea of unity. If you didn't see the commercial and you cannot see the official one on YouTube at the moment because they have not posted it back up, but you can probably find bootlegs online. It basically says, you know, we are one nation. We could find common ground. um, And it opens up. It's like a two-minute commercial. It opens up, I'm paraphrasing, by saying this is a church in the middle of Kansas at the geographic center of the country. (laughs) It's open 24 hours a day. Everyone is welcome. And isn't that nice? How come we can't all be united like that? Imagine Bruce Springsteen saying that instead of me. And here's the problem I have with that commercial in general. I don't want to unite with the people I'm against. Why do you want me to unite with racists and white supremacists and Christian (sighs) nationalists and mega cultists and the people who are ruining the country? Like, I don't want to unite with them. I'm right to say, I want nothing to do with them and fuck them. Like, like, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't this stupid idea that we need to find unity. That's like CNN saying we're in the we, we have the middle ground right. of politics. It's there's no two sides here. We're not talking about like how to handle debt. Mm-hmm. That's not the political issue we're dealing with. Like what the what compromise does Jeep want me to make with the sort of people <laughs> who want to overthrow democracy by pillaging the capital? Yeah, Jeep. So. Stupid commercial, but obviously the Mm -hmm. church at the center at the beginning of this commercial, like just keep in mind their image of unity of common ground is a tiny Christian church. And if you zoom in on the church in the commercial, they have a picture of a cross inside the church that is on top of an American shaped. uh, It's a, a flag shaped like our country. That's the image. Like, it's literally Christian nationalism. Yay. But it's very much this idea that, like, this is the ground that unites us all. Like, I'm not Christian. Why would that unite me? They would never show a happy mosque that is inclusive right. in any commercial like this. Because, of course, they'd be like, well, that, that only talks about one segment of our country. Right. Yeah, no kidding. Same thing.
1: Um, what? apparently he blew a 0.02
0: when he got pulled over. So what's the legal limit? 0.08. Yeah, yeah. So he was so. fine. So yeah, this idea that unity and compromise means we should all unite under the umbrella of Christian nationalism. Yeah,
1: that's not strong. <laughs> but on the other hand, he
0: did write Thunder Road. So I think we could probably. Oh my God, give- we're not talking about Bruce Springsteen anymore. Oh, we're
1: not. We're just was- yelling at G. Oh, oh, yeah, fuck you, Jeep. I yeah. drove a I got a rental car that was a Wrangler once and it was very big and ostentatious and I didn't like it. Thank you. Fucking nailed them.
0: I got almost you, fi- Jeep. I almost find it funny that Jeep was trying to appeal to everybody and they literally appealed to nobody.
1: Yeah, they uh that was a big swing and miss. Listen, anytime big brands try to get into the like, hey, we're all in this together game, it is Gonna go poorly. I <laughs> at sidebar on uh, my brother. My brother Me, which is one of my favorite uh, podcasts. They do little segments called Munch Squad where they read um, press releases from like quick service restaurants. So like McDonald's is bringing out their spicy chicken McNuggets, but, and so they just kind of make fun of like the earnestness with which PR releases from um, from restaurants like from big brands are are are, are made. Uh, And for the last year, every single one of them has started, 2020 has been a tough year for us all. And that's why Taco Bell is bringing potatoes back. And like, (laughs) that's just the thing with, I get, listen, I do it for a living. Like I get brand marketing is a tricky line to walk, but boy, oh boy. uh, I mean, saying nothing is always an option, I would say. And I would just advise brands to maybe like slow their roll a little bit. Do you think this Jeep commercial is better or worse than the Pepsi commercial, where maybe one of the Jenner children solved police brutality through? I don't. I mean
0: the yeah the Jenner commercial where she hands a cop a Pepsi and Mm -hmm. I don't know solves a riot.
1: (laughs) To stop systemic racism amongst yeah, people, and their horribly high rate of domestic abuse.
0: I work. Still, I still couldn't tell you what that's trying to do. Um, it was just, I mean, tone deaf, yes, but also what were you going for? I know what Jeep was going for.
1: Yeah. I they were think-
0: going for this idea that Jeep unites us all, and we should all be like, let's all come together. Isn't that a good idea? Which nobody would ever be against. But again. Coming together, you can't compromise with, I don't know, racists, supremacists, terrorists, whatever you want to call other people.
1: I think Pepsi was trying to break into the like 1970s and 80s, I want to buy the world a Coke kind of bracket of like, but you know that song? You know that song, right? Sure. I'd like to buy the oh, world right. a Coke. I think they were trying to do that. But like bringing together hippies and like corporate guys is a real different concept than bringing together like murderers and people trying not to be murdered, I guess is my my main criticism. But
0: we're still talking about the Pepsi commercial. So that succeeded. And I don't know if Jeep considers this a success because everyone hated their stupid commercial. But I did see a lot of people saying like, well, never buying a Jeep after this. So I don't know if that works.
1: My husband and I are in the hunt for a car, and we were like, "So no Jeeps, right?" But it wasn't because of this; it's <laughs> my own
0: personal feeling about Jeeps. There you go. Uh, totally different story. I laughed when I saw this article in the Christian Post. One of their uh, contributors, Jason Jimenez, he base here's his argument: Why isn't the media, which he perceives as all left wing media, mm. well, why doesn't the media isn't he speaking
1: through a media outlet right now?
0: uh it, they don't count they're they're real news cuz they're right wing and christian oh, sorry
1: that's on me my bad
0: um, but he was basically saying the media isn't going after joe biden for his catholicism they praise it But like when it's Amy Coney Barrett or Brett Kavanaugh or Donald Trump's religion, everyone pokes fun of it. They criticize it. Look at that double standard. I'm going to quote his article.
1: First of all, LOL at Trump's religion. That's Uh pretty funny.
0: Interesting, isn't it? How the media and every single big time progressive politician have no problem mixing Biden's faith with politics. But suppose you're a Christian who's pro-life and not in favor of the Supreme Court legalizing same-sex marriage uh-huh. in that case the response you get from the left is the complete opposite how was Judge Amy Coney Barrett also a de- deeply devout Catholic treated during the Senate confirmation hearings and then regular yeah, there's a mic drop in there but it doesn't say it in the piece. And I mean, the answer should be obvious to everyone who's not this guy. (laughs) Biden isn't using his religion as a weapon. It's not legislating his Catholicism. It's also not for show like it was for Trump and other elected Republicans. And also, like, I don't care what he believes because he's not putting forth policy based on it. But Amy Coney Barrett had written articles saying, because I'm a Catholic, I would change how I react to this law this way. And I think probing that idea of how is your faith going to come into play when you're making judicial decisions is a perfectly valid one that the right did not want anyone to ask her.
1: Well, I think also he sort of missed a pretty big... Can you reread... Do you still have it pulled up? Yeah. Can you reread the part about... If somebody uses their religion to be pro-life or anti-gay marriage, could you take that
0: package? Suppose you're a Christian who is pro-life and not in favor of the Supreme Court legalizing gay marriage. In that case, you the response you get from the left is the complete opposite.
1: So, do you think he genuinely thinks people are mad at those who still don't support gay rights? Because they believe that because they're a Christian or do you think they don't believe that or do you think they're angry that people are still anti-gay rights because anti-gay being anti-gay rights is like fundamentally immoral?
0: My thinking is this whole mindset of people is if you're attacking me for Mm -hmm. a bad idea you think I have, even though I hold that bad idea because it's part of my faith, you are persecuting my religion.
1: Ooh, that's not a great look, bud.
0: Yeah. Um Biden, again, I don't I don't care about his Catholicism. I think he's devout. I think he's sincere about it. But again, I and I, I'm not a fan of the religious language and rhetoric he uses. No. But whatever. It he's not trying to push it on me. I have yet to see examples of him saying, you know, Catholics deserve special rights, Christians deserve special rights like Trump did. Oh, didn't you um, see that
1: bill that he tried to pass that nobody is allowed to eat meat on Fridays during oh, lunch? Sorry, oh that. my yeah. god, I'm really stocking up on my Omaha State <laughs> subscription.
0: <laughs> like and Biden supports religious freedom for more than just his him and his Catholics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, the thing is, liberals don't necessarily care what your beliefs are, only how you're going to use them. But when it comes to politics, it's like, well, are you going to pay attention to the Constitution or not? Right. That yeah. matters. Now, I don't care if you're issues. religious after that. Believe me, as an atheist, I promise you liberals have no love for people without religion, Right, certainly in the world of politics. But again, the religion just does. You don't get brownie points for being religious. If you are using your power and your platform to suggest some sort of that makes you better than anyone or something. Whereas on the right, you better be Christian or they're going to look down upon you and you better use your religion to pass cruel policies that hurt people. Otherwise, you're not being a devout religious person.
1: Right. Just like Jesus wanted.
0: Um, I got a couple more quick ones for you here. What percent of white evangelicals accept QAnon?
1: I don't like when you do these to me because I'm always wrong. Um okay. white evangelicals White evangelicals,
0: gonna... what percentage of them say QAnon, this belief that I don't know, democrats are child yeah, traffickers? Q- Donald Trump, according to their definition in this survey, Donald Trump has been secretly fighting a group of child sex traffickers that includes prominent Democrats and Hollywood elites. Mm -hmm. Also, I think they're cannibals. Uh, Oh. That's that's the QAnon premise.
1: Oh, okay. So I am going to say twenty five percent.
0: You are good. Wait, really? 27% Twenty-seven, yeah, percent Dang, of job, white, e- yeah, twenty-seven percent of white evangelicals accept that theory, that that QAnon theory. Oh boy, oh now, boy, oh boy, oh boy. There, uh, this was a survey carried out by the American Enterprise Institute. They're a conservative research group. That doesn't mean the methodology was flawed necessarily or anything like that. So I'll take these numbers at face value. Sure. But here's what I'm taking away from that. And by the way, we talked about this a week or two ago. 49% of Protestant pastors said they heard conspiracy theories among members of their churches. Like, whatever percent of this we're talking about, these things it's are pervasive. believed. It's pervasive. It's believed by people who go to these churches. And 25% of a mega church is a hell of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. 27% is a hell of a lot of people. But again, I, here's why I'm not surprised by that. I, I've heard people say, like, that's actually lower than I thought it was. But if you think it's a high number, because that is higher than any other uh, demographic, religious demographic, like when you're primed to believe in one conspiracy theory that Adam and Eve are real, that Jesus Mm -hmm. came back from the dead, when you're told critical thinking into those issues that you're supposed to take on faith is a bad thing, Mm -hmm. when you're told to just have faith and not question what your leaders tell you, when that's the mindset you are praised for Mm -hmm. in church. It doesn't surprise me that other conspiracy theories that are equally illogical can seep into your mind.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, like there's, I mean, I would like to say the Jesus myth is at least in theory less harmful, whereas QAnon is just plain stupid and it leads to bad stuff. Right. But again, the mindset that leads you to accept this bullshit as if it's legit is not different when you are telling people to accept nonsense. And if you want to bring liberals into it, oh, hey, there are plenty of left-wing people who believe in horoscopes and astrology and new age bullshit. Like it's the same idea. If you're if you think there is legitimacy to things that have no evidence for them, mm-hmm. you are going to be more susceptible to stupid dangerous conspiracy theories as well. And to me the solution to that is we need to make sure people are shielded against Falling for this stupid bullshit, asking the right questions, being critical of what they hear, making sure they're hearing stuff from legitimate sources. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, if you're I mean, I'm sorry, I'll add one more thing to that, which is I want to know what churches are going to do about this. If they say, of course, QAnon is bullshit because some pastors have said that. Well, what are you doing to prevent it from pervading into your congregation Because you literally, you can't just cut off one arm of the monster and Mm -hmm. act like you've solved the problem. You can't kick out the QAnon believers and then tell everyone else. All right, let me tell you about Jesus today and all the supernatural stuff he did. Mm -hmm. What do you think is going to happen? Oh, a hundred percent.
1: It's, I mean, and I think we've talked about this in the past. Like you can't, like you said, you can't logic somebody out of a, a concept they didn't logic themselves into. And, Also, yeah, like if you're raised your entire life that your own observations on the world are either wrong or at at best flawed, uh, that's really not setting you up for success when you have to like, like encounter things in the real world that maybe are dubious and you don't have that skill set to say like, okay, well, this is seems nuts, but I also believe that somebody came back from the dead. So that feels like it's internally consistent, you know? um i wanted to kind of in this vein i wanted to talk very very briefly about a uh, uh there's a new show on netflix uh called uh, crime scene the vanishing at the cecil hotel, cecil cecil hotel um <clears throat> and it's about a really really bizarre um missing person slash uh murder whatever case of a young woman who stayed at a an infamous hotel in la um, And she went missing. They couldn't find her for like two weeks. And then they released some uh, footage of her kind of walking around this hotel. She's on an elevator. She's acting very strangely. And so this happened in like 2012, I think, 2013. And it has been like crazy conspiracy o'clock. It is people got so deep into this. And I've watched that elevator video. I don't know how many times because it's very eerie. Um, So I was watching, it's a four-part documentary on, not just, it's a little bit about the Cecil Hotel, it's a little bit about Elisa Lam, it's a little bit about, uh, like, online, like, internet sleuths, and I will say, so it's four parts, around the second or third part, I was like, oh, this is starting to get very stupid, because they're bringing in, like, is the Cecil Hotel part of a Dark Vortices and blah, 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 blah. I would recommend if you are interested in conspiracy theories and true crime kind of stuff, I would watch this through to the end because they put a really nice bow on it in a way that both makes you understand what conspiracy theorists were thinking about and understand why ultimately maybe it wasn't a global conspiracy and just a sad accident or whatever happened. Um, So I would recommend people listen. I, I really got a lot out of it in terms of like, the online sleuthing community. So that's my, my recommendation that I didn't want to forget.
0: Very good. Thank I you. have one last story for you, okay. Um, which is my happy story for the, week. <laughs> um, made me genuinely happy. Do you know what the number one Christian album on iTunes was this week?
1: Is it that Christian rap album that the guy who I'm buying a car
0: from later today is listening to? Cause he's really into it. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Ah, uh, it is by. It's called Preacher's Kid. No surprise. Yikes! Okay, it is by Grace Baldridge, who uh, uses the pronoun she and her. Grace Baldridge goes by the professional name Semler, and basically, Semler is openly gay. Married to another woman. She's critical of church culture. Her album comes with a parental advisory sticker. Lookout world. <laughs> and basically, this is part of, uh I mean, she, she has been in the spotlight before, I think, like last year or two years ago with the website Refinery29. She was the host of a series on YouTube called State of Grace, which focused on the intersection of being LGBTQ and Christian. Huh. She is a Christian. Um, But basically, the album, and I have no thoughts or opinions on how good the music is. Honestly, I haven't listened to it. Um, But this is one of the things that's amusing about it is she knocked from the top spot. uh, Who is it? Lauren Daigle, who's been a fixture on the Christian charts uh-huh. for a while now and like if you know anything about the Christian music industry Do like that it, it is so cookie cutter and predictable and repetitive and everything uh-huh. and this is nothing like that and so the fact that she's number one partly because uh, one article described it as a bunch of LGBTQ affirming Christians and ex-Christians were trying to like quote unquote game stop. The Christian music oh industry. Oh my God!
1: Right Seriously, saying, let's all
0: let's all buy the album from iTunes right now, and we will push this album to the top. Um, not I necessarily mean- at her request, but they just decided this would be effing hilarious.
1: I mean, that's what uh fucking Dunn Jr. did with his own book. Yeah, he just bought yeah. boxes and boxes and boxes of it
0: using donation money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the RNC or something. It's
1: fucking villains.
0: Yeah. Um, But in this case, it's like a grassroots campaign to push the album to the top of the charts. And it worked, at least for a couple of days.
1: Cool, guys.
0: And uh, <laughs> uh, Grace Baldridge posted on Twitter, y'all, we did it. An openly queer artist is sitting at number one on the Christian music charts on oh, iTunes. Oh, boy. I don't know. How do you feel about that? I feel I neutral. It. Do it's you? So funny. Oh, stupid. Good for her. I mean, it's not an atheist album that just, like, trolls the Christian like album charts that would be fun and obviously if this is something that happens for like one day or one hour at a time or something it's like whatever i mean you don't win an award for being number one on the itunes charts which obviously can be manipulated of course um but it just made me laugh that haha look what's there and you know what if it gets some christians to listen to anything grace baldridge says Uh and talks about through her music through her uh, words whatever like good right one way to it's one way to get into the system and try to create change for the better so i like that
1: that's yeah that's good um before we go i quick i reach out to my friend sarah about do i assume you did not watch the mandalorian
0: as i didn't the manda who what now
1: mandalorian Uh it's do you something
0: star something something yoda that's all I got for you. Yeah,
1: no, you got it. I mean, I haven't seen it either. I don't know really know what's going on. I know Baby Yoda, and that's kind of it. Um, but there is an actress in it um, whose name is Gina. I think it's Serrano, because um, it looks like an Italian name. But I I'm don't not know sure. her. I
0: know more about this controversy than I know about the show The Mandalorian.
1: Oh, big same. Um, so I actually wanted to talk about it just really briefly because I reached out to my friend, Sarah, who is my go-to, can you explain to the, can you explain the things that I'm missing into why this is anti-Semitic versus like my, like perspective that I don't get the dog whistles. Um, so essentially what she did was she tweeted something that basically, um, hold on, wait, let me see if I can find it. Uh, Okay, so she said she compared American conservatives to Jews being persecuted in Nazi Germany. Um, She said, quote, Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even children, because history is edited. Most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that different from hating somebody for their political views? And... So this happened. She said a bunch of other dumb shit. I guess this has kind of been a long time coming. Um, but she got fired from her show. And, of course, people, the brave people like Ted Cruz ran to her defense. Um, There's and nothing
0: going on this week.
1: No, exactly. There was a very funny tweet that, like... Ted Cruz, like, did this whole tweet about how she's, like, not a princess. She's a warrior. And, of course, she got canceled by Disney, which, lol, they hired her and created that character. But whatever, Ted Cruz. And somebody responded, what do I have to do to never get Ted Cruz to support me like this? And somebody said, be his wife, which is very <laughs> funny. Good job, Internet. Um, but the, um, New York Magazine came out today or yesterday with a thing that not not only said that um, Gina was fired – was would did not deserve to be fired. But what she said was not even anti-Semitic. Um, and so reading reading the quote that I read, it isn't explicitly like anti-Jewish or Nazi sympathizing. And so I wanted to get perspective beyond my own about that. And so I reached out to my friend Sarah, who between she is I've mentioned her a few times. She is a medieval s- studies specialist. She's a doctor. She's much smarter than us. Um, So she's can I just read a quote that she sent over Um, the reason one might consider Serrano's remarks at least borderline anti-Semitic is the casual uh, comparisons to the Nazis have the potential to diminish the tragedy of the Holocaust the implicit comparison of the slaughter of the Jews simply for being Jews to the consequences for expressing the expression of opinions someone considers abhorrent. First of all, equates mass murder to people being mean to her on Twitter. And second of all, equates alleged discrimination against someone based on their opinions, which are a choice, with discrimination against someone based on their ethnic identity, particularly since the Nazis slaughter people who identified as ethnically Jewish, regardless of whether or not they practice the Jewish religion. In my view, what makes this worse and what makes it definitely slip towards anti-Semitism for me is the fact that she's equating Jews in Nazi Germany with a group that we know very well is closely linked to white supremacy, anti-Semitism, and virulent homophobia and transphobia. This link implicitly questions the innocence of Jewish victims in Nazi Germany who were accused of hating and seeking to undermine Germany and Germans, and tries to create an identity between an oppressed minority and the people who today are known for damaging rhetoric and actions toward real oppressed minorities. Did that feel salient and clear when I read it?
0: I think so. Um, They're not firing her. I've seen some stuff saying they're firing her because she's conservative. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, no one cares about her thoughts on like whatever fiscal policy. Mm -hmm. They're firing her because she's a liability, because she says stupid shit. Right. And because no one apparently wants to work with her.
1: It's not a fundamental human right to be anti-Semitic. Sorry.
0: (laughs) This is what we talked about earlier, where it's like, She's being fired because she has stupid ideas and they make her a bigot and like no one wants to deal with her, Mm -hmm. not because she's conservative or Christian or whatever she Mm -hmm. is. Same thing like I don't like if you're a Republican politician who votes against trans rights or something, Mm -hmm. that's the issue, not because you're Republican
1: or no, because you're Christian,
0: right? Like, it's not your religion. Stop pretending we're canceling you because of some label you identify, which is kind of the conservative talking point.
1: Yeah. Like, it's not
0: because she's... There are conservatives in Hollywood. They're fine. There's a difference between, like, having that label and using your power and voice to spread crazy bullshit lies and trying to hurt people.
1: Well, it's like Tim Allen expressed a similar sentiment and, like... Sir, you had two gigantic network shows that went on for years and years. You're in some of the biggest movies of the 90s like you're in the fucking santa claus you're not, being claus. Canceled. You're not be- it's like what's her fate marjorie taylor green i think it was yeah. wearing that censored mask while she was speaking yeah. on the floor of the
0: senate like josh you- hawley going on fox news like 87 times saying i will not be silenced no like, i can't we- stop hearing you say that on tv <laughs> we know you can't be
1: silenced because we're trying just yeah. <laughs> hey, we're not trying to silence you but you won't shut up um Anyway, like yeah, I I I really appreciate Sarah helping me with that perspective because anti semitism is not a, a subject un, upon which I'm an expert. Um. Okay. I think that. Oh, speaking of Sarah, are we wrapping up? Or are we done?
0: We're wrapping up.
1: Um. If you want to hear from Sarah, um, and myself, I was a guest on her podcast, Media Evil. Um. It is a. Uh, this is the second time I was on it. This is a uh, a podcast that looks at. Um art and uh, media that takes place in medieval times. And then we discuss it and she talks about like how realistic it is. And then we just sort of talk about it. So she reached out to me and this is the greatest honor of my life and asked me to be on her episode about Robin Hood men in tights, oh which God. is a movie I know by fucking heart and watched it twice before we, we recorded. Um, the original recording was four hours long um she edited it down to a more digestible two and a half hours which is still a lot of me yelling about mel brooks um it was a such a fun thing to record it so if you want to hear me yelling about things that are not specifically atheism related uh please check that out i will uh, send Hammett the link so he can post it in the notes or wherever um that's all i have where can we find you on the internet hammett
0: i am at friendlyatheist.com. you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast or tweet me at hammett meta
1: you can find me on twitter at jess blumke j-e-s-s-b-l-u-e-m-k-e uh you can always email us at friendlyatheistpodcast at gmail.com oh and if you go on uh patreon and support us we i just got a new shipment of stickers so those are going out today so if you what is what's the sticker Things at five bucks or ten bucks a month.
0: I believe five.
1: Okay. Whatever it is. And oh, Hemet, I got in those business cards that I made that said thank you from the Friendly Atheist podcast because I was like cutting up little computer paper bits like a real we are grader.
0: we We're professional. I
1: know. I paid $25 for business cards. They don't just give those to anybody. Anyway, um, Oh, and if you want to hear more from me, that's not this podcast and not Media Evil. Um, my husband and I do a uh, Twin Peaks co- podcast called Cooper Duper. Um, and we are really enjoying our time doing that. And this week we're going to talk about season three, episode eight, which is just a mind fuck of an episode. So, you know. Have fun with that if you're you're interested. That's all I have. Hammett. Sorry to keep you.
0: No, it's all good. We'll see you next week, hopefully with, you know. Nine happy stories. (laughs) Have a good one, everyone.
1: Bye.